And welcome to another yet Friday night live review from uh, Sanctuary First. Great to have you listening in with you, in with us. My name's Albert Bogle, and I'm joined tonight by James Cathcart. Hello, uh, Albert. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Great to have you with us, James. And together tonight, we are going to uh, go through the Friday Night Review because, unfortunately, some of our guests have not been able to make it tonight. So we wish them well, wherever they are, and uh, we hope that uh, we'll get back and stream again next week. But we've got you and me. What more Absolutely. do you want? It's a double act tonight, Albert. We're going to have a lean, mean weekly review. Yes, We're going to lean... get this week well and truly reviewed, aren't we? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the theme we're looking at tonight is the theme of the whole week, which has been power, popularism or principle. And we're just looking at the way we begin to understand governments and how we find ourselves being, being organised as as, as in an international way as well as in a national way and also within the life of the church. And how do we look upon leadership and how we govern ourselves? So that's part of what we're thinking about. But where it will go from there, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Because there's these three poles, isn't there, often in life? Power, popularism, and principle. And I guess another way of looking at it as well is what you sacrifice. You know, Sometimes we sacrifice a bit of power to keep a hold of our principles, or we sacrifice a bit of popularity to get power, or we sacrifice our principles, perhaps, to get popularity. It can be really hard to main all, maintain all three, can't it? Absolutely. Not easy, is it? Yeah, well, look, tonight what we thought we might do is able, as we'll start off with just saying, what kind of week have you had? Well, I've had uh, a not bad week, not a bad week. I uh, recently uh, got some black pudding, Albert. I'm going to bring it right back, <laughs> right back to basics, right back to everyday stuff. Uh, I haven't had black pudding in months. Months what is months. black pudding? There are people oh. wondering what black pudding is, listening in from other parts of the world. It is a delicacy. Um, it is a type of sausage, um, which is popular in Scotland and the north of England. Um, and it is uh, quite savoury. It's quite a savoury taste. Um, and it's a, a popular breakfast edition, if you're feeling like it. Um, but I had an awful night's sleep um, due to my wee toddler daughter. And life was looking very bleak today um, until a fried egg and black pudding bap appeared in my life. <laughs> and it's amazing, isn't it? I like to try and say grace, you know, when we have food. Even if it's just dead quick, like just say something quickly to God. And it's great that moment when you really feel it, you know, like when you feel like, no, I am saying thanks. Like I really am grateful. <laughs> and I felt hugely grateful this lunchtime. <laughs> that kept me going. But what have you, what have you been grateful for this well, week? Well, today we, we, we had, we, had, we were delighted to have some guests over visiting us. Uh, Gordon and Evelyn Reed uh, from uh, Carberry Days. You remember oh, Gordon right, and Evelyn yeah, from yeah. Carberry Days? And they, they were over and we had a barbecue in the garden today. And it was great just to catch up with them and to... Um, because Gordon has this, you know, daily... Um, he sends out a daily text to his friends. Uh, he's, got, he's got a few friends, but the friends that he's got all pass the text on to their friends. So it's it's just mushroomed out. These texts and these reflections for the day go all over the place. So Aww. we get them and then Martha passes them on to my two sisters and then she passes them on to 
some of the folks at St Andrews Bowness and on to our children and, and and then I think they pass them on to people. So we're saying to Gordon, you just don't know where that kind of thing will go. Absolutely. So. It's uh, it's very organic. You know, when you think about the, uh, I think we're going to on Sunday be using the mustard seed uh, parable, aren't we? We're going to talk yeah, about that are. at one point. And there's something about mustard seeds. And I, my, my daughter, um, we recently... Uh, her nana got her a uh, fairy garden so it's this little, little little toy fairy garden and it comes with little cress seeds which i think are related to mustard and it's incredible these things will grow anywhere <laughs> like give them half a chance give them a splash of water a tiny bit of dirt and off they're growing and in days they've they've shot up and it's it's really interesting to see how when we start looking at these kind of organic metaphors for thinking about faith and thinking that you know it doesn't take a lot for things to take root you know a little bit of water a little bit of light a little bit of ground and and, uh, and wonderful things can happen. Absolutely. And you don't know, like, so often we can think, oh, they're not interested in something or that person wouldn't be interested. And you get surprised because often that's the very person who really appreciates the text or appreciates the thought for the day. And Gordon's always got something that's really worth worthwhile saying. But I've tried to get him to come on, James, as a writer to, to Sanctuary First, but... It just turns me down. <laughs> well, Gordon, consider this another invite. <laughs> if you're watching. Oh, dear. So what are we going to... We're going to be reviewing the site a yeah, bit, Albert. reviewing the site. I've been looking, doing some stuff on the site, and um, I've been having a thought about... Um, I've been drawn to the picture. Uh, you know, the... The art club that, that Jane started, I think it's on a Monday morning? Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday morning, morning. At, at 10 o'clock, is it? 10 I think it's 11. 11 <laughs> I'll take your second answer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Friday at 2, who knows? Go <laughs> on to the Sanctuary First no, website. But we Tuesday. think it's 11 at Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday at 11. But it's just great to see that uh, the eye, that they've been drawing, that people are getting together and they get a kind of tuition and encouragement. And the, the thing they were drawing this week was the eye. And I, that caught my eye as well. That caught your eye. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? So Jane's setting um, different kind of challenges or, or suggestions. Um, and I noticed for the, the one coming up on Tuesday, let's see if I can if I can get it up. You can do this too, folks. So if you go into the Sanctuary First website and go to events... And go in Art Connection, you can see there's an upcoming event which is at 11am on Tuesday and it's going to be watercolours. Um, so if you fancy having a bash at some watercolours um, then uh, you could do so this Tuesday um, and uh, Jane has listed some things that might be helpful um, for you to have in advance of the uh, session but she said before that you know really just turn up it doesn't matter what you've got um, it would be helpful to do certain things if you've got certain things but you know if you want to be part of it and you want to drop in and, and do some arty stuff um then you are welcome to um to sign up yeah i just think it's so encouraging that people can do this that we can people from different parts of the world can just come together and paint and they and it's just you know the feeling is i had a look at one of the pre-recorded uh, sessions and it's just such a peaceful thing to almost just look in. And uh, you could always say to people, you don't need to paint at all. You can just go and nosy in. <laughs> just, you know, like uh, a living gallery of uh, artists at work around you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Looking in and just seeing what they're all doing. 
Did you read yeah. that story, Albert, that was in the news um, a few weeks ago? There was, I think, a, a graffiti artist who had uh, some work um uh being exhibited in japan in this i think it was in japan in this museum and as part of the exhibition they had some spray paints and and stuff in front of the image you know to set up a kind of diorama and there were some tourists who thought that it was like a anyone chip in sort of thing (laughs) so they picked up some of the paints and added to the (laughs) to the artwork and there was this whole big stushy about it and um and you know how could this happen and 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 i think they were arrested initially the couple and everything because people were thinking why did they deface this artwork um but they just thought it was you know anyone could have a bash um so you've got to be careful when you go to these exhibitions (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean sometimes the some of the what would you say, the contemporary abstract art, you think maybe some of the folks looking in can maybe improve some of it anyway? <laughs> yes, you've maybe enhanced it. Um, and certainly in terms of Colomanches, there was um, a lot more notoriety probably for this work after. <laughs> but I think they said they could restore it. So, oh, so well, there, you there you go. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was quite an interesting one to look at and to encourage people to look at what Jane's doing there. And, and I think it's it's opening up where we want to be taking Sanctuary First to be connecting with the arts more and hopefully the same kind of thing with the jam session which we'll be talking about in a minute as well. But these creative opportunities where people can come in and uh, as Jane says, she's not looking for people to be um, expert artists but it's a way of expression. It's helping people express how they're feeling about things. It's one of these things, isn't it, that's... Um really tragic you know the experience that people have had and and somebody said to them like oh you can't draw or you can't act or you can't sing or you know like like the idea that you could never do this you know like i think a lot of people have been switched off from any kind of artistic expression um because they got squashed at quite a young age um by by you know whomever um in life and people end up throwing up these barriers and thinking that well only musicians can make music and you know only artists can paint and so on and it, and it isn't true i mean it might be that only artists can make fantastic paintings mm-hmm. um, or you know smash hit songs or what have you but you know most of us could give most things a go um and actually you know i'm someone who's not arty or crafty but um actually i've had great experiences doing things um you know how your museums or galleries will have sometimes these we drop in sessions and you just go along and you lose yourself or sometimes it's part of church services or mm-hmm. whatever there are these sensory things and i just love it and one of the reasons i like it is because it's not my field of expertise you know i can just kind of relax and go okay doesn't matter what happens here yeah. um and i think with our faith it's really helpful to kind of weave some of this artistic stuff into our faith because it can free us up to think a bit differently maybe relax um i think a lot of us treat uh faith as like a, a thing you've got to you've got to know a lot about you've got to test you've got to pass you know those lectures and the sermons and you've got to know your scripture and you've got to know stuff whereas actually like faith's about all of life um and there's great wisdom that can be found through visual arts and music and drama and stuff too um it's not all cerebral um and unfortunately we've kind of majored on that in the church of scotland but um historically but actually there's all sorts of ways that you can um interact with um uh, spirituality well, I think that's absolutely true. I don't know if you recall the, the, when we had the Sanctuary First Conference, the uh, first conference in, I think, one of our conferences in 2020 um, over at Tully Allen. And Fiona Campbell was there uh, painting. 
And she, I mean, she's such a great artist, but the lovely thing is that she's so inclusive. She'd set stuff up and then just said to people, you know, this is what I'm doing, but you come and have a shot. And it was great. People were coming in. And because we were there for, you know, an overnight, a weekend, it was a chance for people just to relax and paint. And, and again, as you're saying, it was a spiritual kind of time of just getting lost in something and enjoying themselves. Absolutely. So same with colouring in things, you know, like the people get adults colouring in books and things like that. It's all that same thing about just relaxing and, uh, and using these things to think about the things that really matter in our lives and to use that for prayer as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. And as prayer, you know, it, it's one of these things when you um, think about prayer is that we tend to think about it in a very verbal way. And the prayers that we talk about and that we share are usually spoken. But actually, you know, you can pray physically, you can pray um, in all sorts of ways, because prayer is about, you know, communicating um, with God. And as we know, we can communicate with one another in all sorts of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And so why couldn't you pray through drawing or through music or um, any of these pursuits. So, um, but onto a more uh, traditionally verbally spoken prayer, um, we were also going to highlight, weren't we? Um, uh, Alex Shuttleworth does the um, Light in Our Darkness mm-hmm. uh, evening prayer. Um, and uh, we put that uh, on our website as well. Um, and we wanted to uh, mention particularly the one from last night. Um, and I just thought it was really nice. You, you pointed me to it earlier on um, and I was watching it. And it's just, it, it encapsulates an awful lot in under three minutes. Um, and it sets a mood and a scene. Um, and he talks about this idea about how Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, um, has brought in this well-being index as a way of kind of measuring how a country is doing as opposed to just GDP. And this idea of, um, it goes to Paul as well in Second Corinthians, talking about this idea of taking heart. And there's this sort of stuff about well-being. Um, and Les in his daily worship this week has been talking about the common good quite a lot, that phrase. And I think there's a rich tradition within Christianity that, that Alec alludes to of, of this sense of the the being, the well-being of all of us. Um, and so it was really... Um, uh, yeah, a lovely little clip. And so later on um, uh, tonight, we're going to share that. Yeah. Uh, so folks can watch that. Um, perhaps as we draw to a close, um, we can we can share in that evening prayer. Yeah, so I mean, I think this whole area, of course, Sanctuary First is primarily all about prayer. Our focus is on daily worship and, um, and you know, expression through prayer, through Bible reading. And, uh, but also, you know, this idea if we can get more people to get involved in these areas of art and expressing themselves and, and sharing these things with the whole community is just, I think that could be such a blessing. Uh, and, and, and I look forward to that happening in the future. Uh, but it's great having Alec has been so faithful since the lockdown in giving these evening prayers. It's, Yes, I think he started very, very soon after the, the first lockdown, um, if I recall. And uh, yeah, it's just been going ever since. Um, so um, so we always have the uh, latest one on our site. Um, so if you'd like to, I think they go up at six each day. Um, yeah, uh, they do. So. The, the, the other one I was looking at was um, the... The Friday Jam's an interesting uh, session to look at regularly because there's always something of interest in it. And last Friday, on the 4th of June, uh, Jim started 
uh, with a hymn, uh, a song he's written, I'm Undone by Your Holiness. And I just thought, it's the way Jim sings, it's the way he puts things together, that it's just so, it's, it's so challenging, but disarming. Mm. And, you know, and I wondered if maybe we could just have a listen to that song tonight. Brilliant. Let's do it. I'm undone by your holiness In the light of your holiness I'm undone by your holiness in me, Lord Letting go of my selfishness I repent of my selfishness Letting go of my selfishness Send me, Lord Where I go, I will go I belong to you Letting go of my selfishness, send me,
send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Yeah, it's just something beautiful about that song as I was listening to it. It's inspired, of course, by, I think, the Isaiah chapter 6, where the prophet Isaiah is sees something of the holiness of God and but he wants to proclaim the goodness of God I, you know here am I send me um, and I thought let my life be the evidence send me Lord I think there's something so powerful about that isn't it mm-hmm. it's not what we say but it's the evidence of the way we live absolutely the kind of walking the walk not just um, talking the talk and it is one of the things that's really lovely through uh, the live jam and um, in our services and, and and across some of the stuff we do at Sanctuary First is how we're able to hear from these singer songwriters. I mean, isn't it amazing to hear these songs that are being sung by the people who wrote them? Um, it's a really lovely thing to be able to see, um, and particularly you know with with the the Friday jam, there's a sense that I think you know you might hear an early version of the song and then coming back to it um, and developing it, and that kind of sense of a sort of musical community developing where people can mm-hmm. say, "Oh, I've been working on this," or "What do you think about this?" or or what have you. And so um, it's a real blessing for our community to have Jim. Um, just in in action that's his life is evidence of being a songwriter you know his songwriting is happening within our community um and it's really lovely to be able to be making um uh, our own stuff you know um so no we're really proud of that and um and all the work that he does through the friday yeah and and again that's like opening this up to the arts sanctuary first for other people to have a shot at doing it you know or people who have got words for a song, you know, eh? and, our, and our songs can be about life. They don't necessarily always need to be about religious words, but about life and about the goodness of life and the goodness of God in our lives. But sometimes it doesn't always need to be um, um, obvious that you're writing a, a, a song about God's love. It can be, it can be there implied. Absolutely not. Not all um, great art is about God, but God is in all great art. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, I I found that that I just find that quite uplifting. And I hope folks listening in tonight were maybe finding that interesting. You know, that um, it's this idea of God sending us into the world to to be the way we are with mm. all our foibles and just who we are. You know. We've not to become somebody else, but the uniqueness of each of us to let something of the beauty of Christ be seen in us as well, I'm and our life be the evidence, you know. The, the world needs you. <laughs> <laughs> you were created and you're actually part of it. Um, so, so you know, we need an Albert um, or a, an Elaine or a Deborah or whoever yeah, you are. Exactly. Like you're, you're part of it. Um, we don't need... Um, two Alberts, one is fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do, one James is more than enough. Yeah. Um, what we need is us to be ourselves yeah. um, and to learn how to be our full selves. Which is nice. This leads us on to the next uh, thing. It was the, the poem. 
Yes, that's right. This is the um, Who Am I uh, piece um, uh, poem that was written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, and this isn't a recent thing on the site. This is a, uh, a throwback. I think this was... Um, June 29th, 29th of June 2020. Oh, there you go. He's got the dates. <laughs> he, got that one right. He's primed and ready. He's primed and ready. He didn't give me the time. <laughs> um, but one of the reasons I think, Albert, if I'm right, that we're pointing this one out tonight um, is that it's a... Uh, page that seems to keep getting uh, return visitors um this is a video that was made a while ago for i think for a particular service yeah um, and one of the things that's really nice about our way of working over the last year or so is we've been able to kind of collate more of the stuff that we use week in week out and we're hoping to go back um uh, through our archive and find other wee bits and pieces that um haven't made it yet onto the site um so that people can go through and see different prayers and poems and monologues and wee skits and things um but yeah so this was a piece that was uh, performed by jack Steele, and as i say written by dietrich bonhoeffer um and albert do you want to say a bit about the kind of content of the yeah just as a poem i think the way jack reads it it could be read in different ways in fact i was thinking it might be good to get jack to read it in another way with with accent on different words because it gives it different meanings as well but it, Bonhoeffer, as you know, those who are listening in, was part of the Confessing Church in Nazi Germany, uh, a group of Christians who stood up against totalitarianism and spoke out against it. And he, he, he was prepared to be involved, actually, in a plot to assassinate Hitler in order to free the country from the tyranny of the Nazis. And uh, he was he was imprisoned, and uh, he wrote some amazing stuff from uh, letters from prison. And again, that we're saying this because it, in some ways, it's relevant to the overall theme that we're thinking of tonight. Change is coming, get ready. But what kind of world do we want to live in? Do we, what about power, popularism, or principle? And the the. The area there that, that Bonhoeffer had to wrestle with is quite amazing. And he's asking himself in the context of knowing that he's going to he's going to face a firing squad in a few days. Mm. He writes this particular piece and it's a beautiful poem, but it's a very challenging poem uh, asking, who am I? Who, who am I? But who am I? Mm. And so I think we're going to listen to it now. Who am I? They often tell me. I step from my cell's confinement, calmly, cheerfully, firmly, like a squire from his country house. Who am I? They often tell me. I used to speak to my warders, freely and friendly and clearly, as though it were mine to command. Who am I? They also tell me. I bore the days of misfortune, equably, smiling, proudly, like one accustomed to win. Am I then really that which other men tell of? Or am I only what myself I know? Restless and longing and sick, like a bird in a cage, struggling for breath, as though hands were compressing my throat, yearning for colours, for flowers, for the voices of birds, thirsting for words and kindness, for neighbourliness, tossing in expectations of great events, 
powerlessly trembling for friends at an infinite distance. Weary and empty at praying, at thinking, at making. Faint and ready to say farewell to it all. Who am I? This or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? Am I both at once? A hypocrite before others and before myself a contemptible wobegone, weakling? Or is it something within me, still like a beaten army, fleeing in disorder from victory already achieved? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, I am thine. And so it's really, you know, hugely evocative language there in that poem, um, but coming to rest in that place that, well, where do I find my identity ultimately? I'm thine. Um, and there's something about the, um, you know, because we oftentimes have a barrier, but the idea of thee and thine, but they actually, in, in the English language, the history of that is that was the intimate form of address. Um, you know, so you would be the more like you know you have in French and Spanish you have the um the different modes um and so thee and thine would actually be a way of expressing that real intimacy you know I'm I'm your one um and so it's a really um yeah almost kind of um spine chilling moment I think I'm thine you know there's that lovely little chorus we used to sing I am not my own I've been bought with a price to realise that we're not our own. You know, when people say, I did it my way, or I do it my way, or it's my life, I can do mm. what I want. Um, maybe it's not your life. Maybe we belong to God, but belong to one another. Am I my brother's keeper? It's going back to these biblical things. That are, these stories in the Bible are all relevant. You know, the Cain and Abel thing. Mm. You know, mm. And when you think about uh, Bonhoeffer writing um, and the prison cell and everything, you've got someone who doesn't have power, uh, who doesn't have popularity in that moment. Um, and it comes down to that principle um, that that he is God's and that he belongs to God. Um, and it's one of these things that, um, you know, we give up principles sometimes and we compromise. And, and you know, in the poem, he speculates about, you know, am I a hypocrite, etc. Um but when everything else has been taken away, there are certain principles that we can hold on to, um, even if we've had to lose power and influence and, and uh, popularity and, and the ways of the world, you know, depending on how things turn out for us, um, there is a reassurance in knowing that there is an ultimate principle um, that, that we are gods um, and almost a kind of freedom in that, you know, because saying that, oh, my life's not mine could seem like a kind of, like you were saying there, Albert, could seem like a, a trapping thing. Mm -hmm. but actually the amazing responsibility of having to own everything like your whole life i mean that's a huge burden in a way and so the idea that in christianity we're saying that you know you don't have to do that alone that when it comes down to it you aren't alone um and there is someone uh, who will be beside you um throughout all of it um and i think that that's reassuring and freeing at the same time yeah i, I was thinking today in the morning prayers this morning as i was leading them I've been thinking about um, people who have shaped our lives and 
how we forget about people. We can forget about people who have been an influ- have been influencers on our lives. Mm. And it's sometimes good to realise that you know that that you know that um, phrase that it, it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah, you know I think we need to think more about that. That we all have a responsibility for one another, and we're not alone. But we we all shape one another's lives. Isn't that so good to to know that as we get to know one another that we we we. Is this God's plan again? You know, send me, Lord, to send me, Lord, who to meet James Cathcart. Send me, Lord, <laughs> to meet Rave Manger at some point in my life. Send me so that then these relationships, these networks of people are made, they change, you know. Send me, Lord, to meet William McPherson and send me, Lord, and all of a sudden we meet and, and you know, over the years I find trust appears and, and you know, and send me, Lord, you know, and... You know, a scientist media appears, and you know that is it's really quite the whole thing is. You know, they talk about the trees being interconnected, but mm. we are absolutely, and that's no, I, why when we when when we we cut one another off, we stop the flow, or when we don't speak to one another, that, that something's stopping what was meant to be. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And when you when you say about the um, uh, the trees, that that's been a really fascinating thing just recently, hasn't it? In science, this idea that um, we're discovering that there are these kind of networks that connect forests underground, you know, with fungi and all the rest of it. And I, I don't know how all of it works, but it's this idea that trees can actually share information. And if there's a tree that's struggling, trees that are doing well, yeah, don't not all trees do this, but there are species of tree that do this, and they can send resources to trees that need it. Um, and so it's really phenomenal to think that actually what we think of as a tree is kind of part of a forest, and that's part of what a tree is. And, and I think when we start thinking of ourselves like that, that actually I only am who I am because I'm part of this this network um, that, that have helped to shape me. No human gets here on their own. Um, we've all needed support and love to get to this point. Um, and we could all use more love <laughs> and more support. Yeah, so so why why would we block it? Um, but of course, it, it ends up happening through, you know, through life and, and, and everything. But the, the more we can, I think, work to overcome um, the things that, that would come between us. Um, and, and then kind of turning perhaps to Les's prayers, if we want to mm-hmm. um, say a bit about that tonight. Um He's uh, done some great pieces for us this week. And, and this phrase, the common good, comes up, I think, almost every day, um, certainly several times um, in the week. Um, and my my favorite, it's not one of the readings this week, but my favorite reading in the Bible is about seeking the peace of the city in Jeremiah. Seek the peace of the city where I have sent you. And I think, and you know, because that's where you will find your peace or that's where you'll find your well-being. And I think there's this truth um, that our... And again, touching back on what Alec was um, talking about in the evening prayer that we're going to look at, which is in the heart and said about the well-being, the idea that actually, if we want to do well, we need to look at the well-being of others. Um, and so uh, Les says some interesting things about, um, uh, particularly so looking at Sunday. Uh, the first piece, he talked about the idea of graciousness. Um, do you think do you think our public life is gracious enough, Albert? <laughs> I know, I know. If only we could be more gracious in in acknowledging 
um, people who we disagree with, but that, that we can be gracious and um, draw from one another the goodness that's there, mm. you know. And I think yeah. this idea of, of trying to see um, other people as an opportunity, not just as a threat. Um, I think it's very easy to see uh, people who have very different views to you or, um, you know, seem to identify in a very different group to your group to think, well, that, that, this has got to be a zero-sum game. If they gain, I have to lose. Um, whereas actually, what if that person is giving you, I mean, this might sound a bit twee, but, you know, what if the other person is actually giving you an opportunity to see things in a different light? Um, and if you look past the label um, and try and see the person um, and then and then, you know, give them a moment and think, well, what, what can I learn? Not that you have to necessarily end up agreeing with that other person at all, but think, what can I gain from this encounter? Um, and what can we as a human family gain from listening to one another? And I think normally if we take time to listen to one another, we can at least find um, some points of, of commonality um, that can help us move forward. So, um, so yeah, so Les, Les talks about this idea that, um, you know, he throws out a bunch of questions um, about the idea of um, how are we going to restructure our relationship with those who hold power in a post-COVID world? Um, what place does God have in the public arena? Why must power always be held to account? What role should faith communities hold? Um, um, who are the kingmakers today? Who are we choosing? You know, so he's throwing out all these questions and saying that um, he's just getting the ball rolling. Um, but, you know, he's saying that individually and corporately, we have to grapple with these issues. Um, and I think sometimes we think uh, when we throw out a question that we have to immediately have the answer. Whereas I think living with the questions um, and spending time graciously with one another, which is what kind of Les is talking about here, um, is what's going to get us somewhere meaningful. Yeah, one wonders, you sometimes think of all the talent that's in our parliaments. If that could be all brought for the common good. If everybody could put their door, their shoulder to the same door and pull the resources, even today as we talk, tonight as we talk, the G7 group is meeting, mm. you know, and they're talking about, you know, if they could all agree to put so much into vaccines, you know, what, what a payoff that would be. If, and it, once you get one thing, if you get one run that works really well with cooperation, then why can't you then go to the next stage and start thinking about nuclear disarmament and all of the things that we could do? As we, we're trying to save the world, but, but we're still spending billions on arms that we don't need. Um, and, and why should Christians be involved in all this? And here's the reason why, because the Bible tells us that they shall beat their swords into plowshares. It's coming. Mm -hmm. And so if it's coming, why not just make a start on it now and be the, be the, be the ones who start it? And that's why Christians are, are opposed to nuclear weapons. Because at one point, we're going to have to get rid of these weapons anyway. Absolutely. It's, it's unimaginably horrible. Um you know, the rate of what, what these weapons are and, and everything. And this idea of, um, I think we were talking uh, last week on, on the weekly review about this idea of fear 
I think I think it was weekly review. I do a lot of sanctuary first things, so I'm not, not sure where we were talking about it. We might have been talking about it in the Sunday Live as well, actually, in the discussion. But this idea of the decisions that we make, you know, so if we're looking at these three Ps of power, populism, and principle, we often end up falling back on the fear. And I think all the stuff about nuclear uh, war is just so wrapped up in fear. Um, and and I think we're not to be afraid, you know. And 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 I think. Um, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, just, I, mean, I, mean, I think that whole area works into church life and church responsibilities. And, you know, if we look at, we, we've all been part of it, you know, and as, as I get older and I look and see so many congregations, you know, next to one another or not far from one another, Christian people, but really not knowing one another and not pulling resources. But what could they achieve? What could we achieve if we had the vision to work closer together? And um, and yes, have differences, but to graciously acknowledge that there are some things that draw us closer and acknowledge the presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit in, in changing our lives and giving us that sense of unity and calling us to that place of unity. Hmm. So it's, it's interesting eh, to to see how we are called, one of the roles of the church is to, I think we're called to live out the kingdom values in the world as, a, as an example and to, to, to challenge our leaders, but also to not only challenge them from the sidelines, pointing fingers, but to roll our sleeves up and, and help where necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that um, as well is, is demonstrating a humility um, and in the, the second piece that, that Les wrote um, on Monday, the title was, Is God on Our Side? <laughs> and I think this is something we could be asking more um, in the church, because I think in the past, you know, the church has often had um, a very complicated relationship with power um, and has been uh, utilized by the powers that be um, to achieve certain ends. And I think there's been occasionally in, in the history of the church, well, I say occasionally, I mean, presumably quite a lot in the history of the church, moments where um, there's been a complacency and the church has sort of assumed that as, you know, God's people, God's representatives, then God is surely on our side. And so a, a sort of a viewpoint or a opinion is staked and then God is sort of retrospectively retrofitted to that viewpoint rather than actually thinking well is that really what god would want um and so i just thought it was very striking um of of les to, to ask that question is god on our side and there's a phrase where he talks about the cross and the flag do not yeah, easily unite without the gospel phrase, wasn't it? and it's just so so good you know as a phrase and not saying that they don't unite or that you can't um hold on to these things but it's the idea that you know not easily. Not, Not easily. easily, yeah. Not easily without the gospel of Jesus Christ losing its power and being defaced and distorted in the process. Um, and he says the reality is that the cross is against all forms of imperialism and injustice. And it's true. It's true. Jesus is going to be um, right there with the people who are um, the victims of injustice. Um, there aren't going to be people who are collateral damage as far as jesus is concerned um everybody matters um and there's a real concern for the vulnerable um which is um visible throughout um throughout the bible 
Um, but was there a piece, Albert, that you yeah, wanted just to, the, to pick up in the third up on? piece they meet um, on Wednesday when he, he talks about um, the kingmaker, uh, kings of the earth, and uh, this whole idea of Israel wanting a king and David being thrown. You know, the, the first part of this is, <clears throat> is about God being the king and then verse 7 onwards is the... the shifts the Lord's throne to the heavens to anointing the coronation ceremony. Uh, the Old Testament history demonstrates the failure of Israel's kings. However, the prophets are continually there to be the critique of the king. And the role, I suppose, of the church is to hold power to account. Um, and it um, just goes on to talk about, I suppose, at the end of the day, I think it's in this one, he mentions, you know, uh, all power often ends in failure and leadership can often end in failure and certainly in politics there's not many people leave Downing Street uh, uh, with their head held high <laughs> absolutely there can be a um, you know in politics <clears throat> that there can be the sense of well you've got to just keep going as long as it's going well <laughs> and you kind of wish that there were more gracious exits um, on the public stage where people go okay I have done what I set out to achieve and now I'm going to make space for other people to do it um, because yeah very often people end up uh, perhaps compromising a little bit here and there and then suddenly um, it's gone too late and they have to leave um, in more difficult circumstances um, so yeah the, the one who goes on to talk about where are you um, he I thought it was interesting he ends his reflection with a series of um, so how do we in how do we navigate the, the minefield? Uh, I suggest that it's helpful to ask God's question, where where are you? The means that we need to ask is be informed on the he's talking about how we should engage with the work with politics and with the structures around us. Mm. And and he sets out uh, about six or seven points for us to think about. Yeah, it's really on the issue problems under consideration so we can make an informed decision, understand how our response or actions benefit the common good and not just ourselves and people. Recognize that we may need to choose the best from a number of bad options. Yeah, you don't you don't that often hear politicians saying that. <laughs> Just coming out and saying, Do you know what? Whatever happens, this is gonna be tough. So <laughs> this is the best of a bad lot. <laughs> yeah. Um it's great actually. So these are yeah, because as you say, so it's seven bullet points that he's put in this prayer. Um and this is the piece uh, that went out on the ninth of June called Where Are You? But I was thinking, Albert, it might be worth pulling out this um we primer these bullet points chat to Les and see if we could use um this wee schematic somewhere else on the site maybe as a wee blog or um or something like that because yeah. it's, a, it's some helpful nudges um if you are uh contemplating you know some of these issues and you're thinking okay i'm not sure um where i am on this so the piece is called where are you and if you're thinking well i actually don't know where i am in this issue um then it can be kind of helpful to go through i think these um these bullet points and think um uh yeah, it's lovely to see some of the through. comments about the, the, in the uh, uh, Les's work this week. Somebody has written, uh, Barbara Burroughs has written, Sanctuary First is 
a wonderful spiritual resource in our own homes, a real help in a fresh and deeper walk with our God. Please, please continue. And, and I sometimes, it, it's lovely to get these comments because Les goes into things in quite a deep way. And also this week we had quite long Bible readings. So, you know, it was going a bit deeper than we might normally go sometimes. And uh, I know some people appreciate that, but other people appreciate shorter Bible readings. And it's just one of these things that sometimes we, 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 we have to vary it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's one of the um, nice things that, that we can offer with Sanctuary First because we have different writers coming in um, week on week is that you get these different styles. Um, and I think if you always do the same thing, um, then it's easy to kind of get into a certain groove. Um, and there, there are, you know, uh, benefits that can come. There are different spiritual traditions that um, use repetition um, in, in a kind of liturgical sense um, in worship. And that can lead to, I think we've talked about this um, in the past on, on the podcast, but this idea of the kind of richer nuance of meaning that can come through repetition. Um, but there's also a lot to be said for a bit of variety. Um, and there might be somebody who writes for us and... Um, it's quite a different style they are used to, um, but something they say hooks you. Um, and I often find, I don't know if you find this, Albert, but I often find that some of the books or songs or um, other kind of pieces of art that I've gone on to enjoy the most in my life have been ones that have like maybe slightly irritated me at the beginning <laughs> because you're like reading this book and you're like, I don't get that character. Like what is going on? Um, but then almost the fact that it such to irritate you or bug you makes you dwell on it a little bit more and so i think when it comes to church and faith and everything we should be making sure that we're open to coming across new things and seeing new things because it isn't entertainment you know like it's not meant to be an algorithm that gives you just what you want next because yes, exactly. life isn't like that um and and i think we've got used to this idea haven't we of um you know with all of our different internet providers um spookily predicting what we might want next whereas actually i think you know God wants to keep us on our toes a bit more know, um, and wake us up a bit. Martha was saying to me the other day there that, that we need to watch in Sanctuary first, that we don't end up always, always agreeing with one another and saying, I agree that yeah. in discussions, <laughs> you know, that we sometimes maybe need a wee bit of, a, of you know, people saying, well, I don't, that's not where I'm coming from. But still, we need to live that disagreement, that area. I of, could. I could agree with that point, Albert, but then that would sort of undermine <laughs> the point. So I'll disagree and say that, no, we should agree. <laughs> well, we're tying ourselves in knots here. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. but I think Les has been um, a great writer um, and it's always a pleasure um, to, uh, to have his prayers and his contributions. Um, I'm just sorry he wasn't able to join us tonight. Yes, and to be fair um, to uh, to listeners, um, uh, Les is in Melbourne, um, so um, it is incredibly early in the morning for him currently, and we're recording this in the evening, um, and so he's been set back and um, not been able to um, not been able to join us. Um, but I wonder, Albert, if we should um, go to that prayer that we mentioned. Yeah, um, I think that'd be great. Uh, to go the to evening that prayer. prayer from Alec. Um, uh, if we can agree. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> but it's been so nice chatting to you. And uh, thanks to everyone for joining this stripped back version of the weekly review. Thanks for bearing with us, um, our double act. Um, we were able to save the Morkman Wise stuff. Um, 
<laughs> we were able to fill the time. Um, but thank you so much for being with us. Um, and there's lots of ways you can keep in touch with Sanctuary First. Um, we've got our service coming up on Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, but you can replay it whenever you want, including on the app um, and lots of events, including Art Connection, um, which is Jane's art group that we talked about, which is 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Anything else, Albert, before we... And there's uh... a coffee shop, of course, on on a Thursday. And there's the, 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 the jam session on Friday afternoon. Uh, yes, that's at three on a Friday. Absolutely. And if you're a Facebook, if you're going to Facebook land, there is the morning prayers at seven o'clock, which is uh, growing in numbers. So Yeah, well, it's love lovely to see, to see you then. Lovely to see. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, but um, we'll hand over now to Alec. Um, excuse me. We'll hand over to Alec um, and his thoughts uh, to close this evening. And we'll just close with that. So until next week, let's let Alec have the last word as he takes <laughs> us out in prayer. And thank you to Ray as well for her help tonight. Light in our darkness, Lord, we pray, and in your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of your only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. The psalmist says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. And from Second Corinthians, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The secular world, the post-Christendom world, if you like, takes a while to catch up with where Christian teachings of 2,000 years ago were and, and still are. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, Jacinda Ardern, the, the New Zealand Prime Minister, looked at what most people look at to assess how well a country is doing, GDP, gross domestic product, and said no, GDP alone, she said, does not guarantee improvement to our living standards, and nor does it take into account who benefits and who's left out. So her government works towards another index, well-being. To measure progress towards these goals, New Zealand tracks 61 indicators, everything from loneliness to trust in government institutions, alongside more traditional issues like water quality. Now, I'm not going to splice and dice the politics of this now. And yet, as we long for change at all levels, there's something very much at its heart that's like the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus preached and Paul points towards, and at the centre of which is love. And so we pray. Lord, you've always given peace for the coming day, and though of anxious heart, this evening I believe. Lord, you've always kept me safe in trials, and now, tired as I am, this evening I believe. Mm -hmm.